Welcome to Malt and Magic, the tale of Ardalia brought to life by a dedicated band of UK-based gamers. Dive into a realm where magic reigned supreme, reshaped by the monumental return of the Kingdom of Nylin. This event three decades ago sent shockwaves of potent magic throughout the land. The very fabric of reality tore open, allowing beings from distant plains to venture into Ardalia enriching its tapestry of culture and races. While arcane powers surge, the divine touch has become subtle, reserved for the most devout. But as old gods diminish, new powers emerge, ready to forge new paths and pantheons. As our heroes navigate this transformed world, every choice can forge history. Now join us for the unfolding saga, and welcome to Campaign 2. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 50, would you believe, of campaign 2 of Malta Magic. What's a hell of a milestone uh, to get here, let alone in, in sort of two campaigns, so thank you all so much straight off the bat for being with us, for sticking with us and for supporting us all through both last campaigns, our little one-shots, our mini-series and all those sorts of things and campaign too. So a massive thank you to all of you straight off the bat, whether you are watching live with us on Twitch or YouTube or you're listening on the podcast or watching after the fact as well. Um, yeah, episode 50, amazing stuff. Thank you all. Um, while we're doing thank yous, let's go through the usual thank yous and shout outs. So a big thank you to Incarnate Albert Rodeo and Dungeon Alchemist for all things virtual tabletop and mapping. And then a big shout out to tools like Hero Forge and OpenAI for helping with character visuals and um, sort of character design. D&D um, &D Beyond for all things D&D &D management, source books, encounter uh, management, excuse me. Um, and yeah, all that good stuff, character sheet management and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then the DMs tools that I use in the background. So Ksoon, uh, 5e Magic Shop, 2 Minutes Tools, uh, the Thieves Guild and World Anvil. And as I said last week as well, also a, a big shout out to, when I remember them, because I've just totally forgot... Uh, the virtual token maker from the Fateful Force, um, as I quickly pull up the website there just to double check. Um, so yes, a huge thank you to them for helping me just generate some new tokens as well, which is awesome. Um, of course, all the musical tracks and sound effects you hear are courtesy of either Tabletop Audio or BattleBard, so please go and give both of those a check out and uh, sort of go and look at their different services. There is an absolute wealth of different audio tracks and sound effects, as you will hear in our show from those as well. Um, I've, I don't need to say it, but a huge thank you to Tom and Bodhi and all of the folks at Home in the Dude for continuing to support Molten Magic and being part of this family as well. It is amazing. We are so happy to have them with us for episode 50 as well. Tom has yet again played a blinder and managed to dial in from a hotel. Um, so everybody be really, really thankful Tom's managed to make it again. We are a crew member down tonight, however, with Danny, play, who plays Lex. He's not with us tonight. He has some work commitments to do, um, but we hope he manages to catch at least some of the stream. 
um, and we miss him. We will see him back here next week. Um, there will be some schedule updates as we go over the next couple of weeks as well because work's getting a bit busy for all of us. So it should only be sort of one episode here or there that either of us miss. But um, yeah, there'll be some few shakeups around what we do. So keep a lookout for those. Um, it would be remiss of me not to also thank the Eldritch Press and Fletch who joined us a couple of episodes ago, and, uh, ago even and continues to support the stream and, and offer things like giveaways which we will do another one of shortly. Um, we will look to see what we can give away for that one. Uh, and of course a big shout out to Games, Gags and Geeks as well who continue to run their Storms King Thunder stream on Saturday's uh, US time on their YouTube channel uh, and Twitch I believe. So go give them a check out if you haven't already. Please keep an eye on the social media channels, you'll see all sorts of updates coming along those different channels uh, in terms of those scheduled updates, different clips. We finally managed to get the Ottoman clip up there. I say finally, I think Danny actually did that while I was talking about it last time. Um, you will have seen uh, the social media posts went up yesterday with the wrong date. My bad. We corrected that very, very quickly. Um, but with one of my favourite musical tracks as well, which I know was talked about by uh, by Homie the Dude and myself. So, uh, yes, make sure you are paying attention to the social media channels. Um, and if you want to get even more interactive with us, then please come and join us on our Discord server, which is where all the goodness happens. It's where the homebrews get posted. It's where we talk about theories, where we ask for feedback as well. Um, so come join us on there. We would love that to be more of a uh, more of an active community. We've got a few folks in there, um, sort of regularly chatting and, and discussing things but we'd like to see more of you there so please come and join us there um i've already mentioned it but the podcast will be available of this episode on friday and i want to say a huge huge thank you to everybody who is supporting the podcast if you want to do that little bit more for us then please leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice just help to spread the word and grow the platform and we will be super super appreciative um of course if you are not watching this live on twitch or youtube the vod will be available on friday on youtube for your viewing pleasure as well that's where you can catch all of our past episodes all of our past campaigns one shots mini series all of the above um and you can go check them out but again make sure you are liked subscribed um set your notifications to let you know when the new episodes are live and that way you do not miss out on any of the malt and magic goodness with that being said, I think that's probably the smoothest intro I've done in a very long time. Um, looking forward to this one, it's going to be an interesting session, so my usual warnings absolutely apply. There will be adult language and adult humour. You have been warned. Let's roll.
That was a really inconvenient time to get chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, folks, how we doing? <laughs> Yo, what? Let's turn up. I think we're all delirious tonight. <laughs> yeah, we are, we're all, all over the shop tonight. There's been things going off left, right and centre. Um, but we do have uh, our 50th episode of Campaign 2 to get through. Um, so let's run down the lineup, shall we? As I said, we are one member short. But um, I will speak about Danny after Dave has gone, just to, to remind everybody of who Danny is and what he does. Um, and then we'll go from there. So I am Matt. I am the Dungeon Master. I am also playing various NPCs tonight, who we will Ooh. find and sort of introduce ourselves to later. But mainly, of course, Mace, our Warforged Paladin companion of Cavern. Hello, I'm Dave, and I'm playing uh, Jewel of Shadows, the female tabaxi rogue. And then, as I say, we are missing Danny tonight, who plays our Yuanti sorcerer Lex Ordo, a uh, clockwork sorcerer. Uh, we will miss Danny tonight. We'll miss his humour, I think, more than anything, but hopefully the rest of the crew can uh, can prop, prop it up in Danny's absence. Tom. Yes, I'm Tom. I am the father half of Homie and the Dude. I am calling in from Dusseldorf. Nice. Um, yeah, and I got a nice view of the Rhine actually right out my window. And I am playing Cavan Buckland tonight. What is up, everyone? I'm Bodie. I'm the son half of Homie and the Dude. And as always, I'm playing everyone's favorite bard, sorcerer, edgiest bones. Um, and I'm currently looking at a wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know if we were talking about our views. Um, and no, no, no one can prop up Danny's humor. That guy. That, that guy's dick jokes are are just spectacular. Yeah, Danny is incredible. To be fair. <laughs> yes, we will. We will miss Danny tonight. But uh, yeah, that being said, I am also looking at the four screens and uh, and a wall. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom's definitely got the best view. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So last week we dealt with the aftermath of the Shadowfell incursion into um, Stonebark Village. Um, the party made their way out of the well and the cave system, which I'm now calling the Colon Cave System, um, <laughs> and yes! into Victory! the village. One for the proper <laughs> um, with the. <laughs> Uh, body of the unfortunately felled Mayanora um, to be met with uh, Mace, who tried to uh, Mace, Mace, Cavern and Mace, I should say, Cavern, who tried to perform some rudimentary CPR on the body, and just hands were slipping all over as the blood was pouring out of her for whatever reason. Um, and Dream coming across and just sort of saying, "She's she's gone. There's there's nothing else we can do." Um, Edgius making a speech to the villagers around what they've lost, but using it as a moment to move forward. Um, Jewel sort of not reveling, but sort of absorbing the moment and, and the emotions that went along with it. And Lex then looking at that Star Touch crystal and thinking, I now have a plan, as that Star Touch crystal then. Boom, shattered apart forming four fragments which flew through the air and struck each of you individually knocking you into either a dream state or some kind of extra planar state where you each had an interaction with um 
a being within those planes. Um, Aegeus meeting for the first time Charon, the um, the ferryman uh, who rows his boat up and down the river of death through the nine precincts of death, but also hearing from Nimue as well. Jewel yet again acquainting herself and chatting to and conversing with the Watcher in the astral plane. Lex conversing with the voice of Primus, even though not necessarily seeing that individual, and Cavern for the first time coming face to face with the deity he has been looking for for so long with Paragon, who is apparently Gandalf now, which is awesome. Um, I'm all for that, so we're going with that. <laughs> and each of you in this moment having some character development moments as you're all bestowed a gift as well, which is a new feat, or at least in Jules' case, you had a changed feat as well, um, as one was not really being used and the Watcher thought we can do better. So we did do better. Um, we then rested for the evening and um, Maynor's body was taken back to uh, the House of Shadows, as it's now affectionately called, um, where Jules' family live. And the following morning, after sort of making breakfast and Aegeus jumping out of a cupboard in bone form where he'd been sat on the bone china um, all night, you all then went outside of the village, slightly up one of the mountains, um, where Lex led you through a group meditation and a group attunement to the star-touched crystal, which has all uh, unlocked additional capabilities within you all as a team now. Um, so that's a new sort of homebrew thing for us, which is a team attunement. Um, following that, Aegeus had a conversation with Paige about reforging the sword and installing some sockets for both the gemstone that he carries and the star touch crystal. Uh, Paige revealing that he was once a weaponsmith of great renown um, and it was time to pick up the, the hammer and tongs again to, to forge weapons and, and revisit his old skills. Also let Aegeus know of a particular... <laughs> particular Killer swordsman within Union City, as I laugh at messages going on behind the scenes. There. Um, don't worry, Bodie, we'll definitely forget it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Please, <laughs> Please bring my sword. Bo don't forget Bodie my Bodie there begging sword. the crew, <laughs> don't forget my sword. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and Edgius deciding with following that conversation that he needed to go and spend some time developing skills and he needed to go seek out this swordsman so Aegeus is currently on his way home back to where he grew up where before his death he spent a lot of his time and back to where also where he met Cavan for the first time um the rest of us are still within the village sort of in this period of mourning and so we begin tonight's session following the departure of Aegeus as we spend sort of another another day or so um, within the village and then the following morning Lex turning to you Jewel and Cavern um, I think uh, there's something I've I gotta do um, I need to test this crystal out and uh... <laughs> yeah I know the fucking accent's all nice, over the shop dude, no, 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 it's not bad dude it is not bad it's not bad dude that's really good I was <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I need to test this crystal out and then uh, I'll be I'll be back when we're when we need to go find edge so uh, yeah uh, I really hope this works and uh, maybe stand back and Lex is going to take cog out uh, you're gonna have to work with me on this buddy and sort of holds cog in front of him lets cog just flutter in front of him and sort of then wanders outside. Uh, nobody panic, okay? Uh, and Lex is then going to take his fragment of the Star Touch crystal and just hold it in his hands in front of him. Jewel turns to Cavern. Begin. Every time someone says do not panic, I, I immediately get flutters. <laughs> yeah. <it's> why, <laughs> why, why is this? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a signal. It's a sign that... Uh, we need to immediately start panicking. Yes, every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he is going to take that fragment of the Star Touch crystal then and just begins to concentrate on it. And everyone, even Aegeus, being far away on his journey, you all feel this slight pull as Lex channels his sorceress power through this star touch crystal and uses the astral conduit feature to Whoa. open up a plane uh, or a rift to a plane which as the power shines through the crystal and sort of emanates out it hits cog and cog almost there's almost a moment where you can see cog's form just separate slightly into individual gears and mechanisms and then come back together before a beam shoots out and then this line forms which becomes a a circle of diamond sort of water, diamond colored water if you like and Lex is there just going to stand and go look back to you all well it worked um don't follow me I'll be back in a few days I promise Lex. I would not dream of it. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. Uh, be careful, man. Well, I'm I'm going home, so. But yeah, I I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. So we should wait for you before we start heading out to meet Edgius. I'll I'll be back in time. Time works perfectly over there, so I'll I know when to come back. Okay. Okay. We'll be fine over here. Tell your uh, family, Jewel, that I'm sorry I couldn't be here for the the funeral tomorrow and stuff like that. But um, it it is okay. Please, this is important too. Yeah. We'll we cover all have you, our, our journeys. Please, um, be safe. Yeah. Um, I hope to see you soon. Oh, definitely. Um. Well. Here it goes. After you, Cog. And Cog just... And boom. Through this portal. Lex turns one last time and sort of just... Gives you a quick salute and wanders in. As Lex uses the Star Touch Crystal to venture into the plane of Mechanus, then he finds himself stepping into this realm of absolute order. Uh, and precision that is unlike anything within the material plane. Lex's vision blurs momentarily before clearing to reveal this staggering vista of 
infinite complexity and geome uh, geometric profiles uh, and geometric perf perfection, ultimately. He stands on this vast, flat expanse made of interlocking metallic plates that stretch out to the horizon. Where the sky is then a, a tapestry of moving gears and, and pulsating energy conduits, all in perfect harmony. The very air hums with the sound of countless cogs turning, a symphony of order that resonates in the very core of Lex's being and gives him just this sense of calm, this sense of ease, that feeling of being home. As he looks ahead of him, directly ahead, there are these towering structures of metal and crystal that rise in meticulously planned symmetry, their surfaces reflecting the ambient light in a kaleidoscope of orderly patterns. The city he sees, if it can indeed be called a city, is a marvel of engineering, with roads and pathways that form a, a labyrinthine network that connects everything in the most efficient manner possible. Creatures like Cog, Modrons, the inhabitants of Mechanus, move about their tasks with unwavering purpose. These beings ranging from very simple geometric shapes like Cog, like the spherical versions, Two more complex forms as well work in unison, their movements synchronised to this underlying rhythm of the plane. And among them Lex notices one Modron, a higher order Modron, a being that stands out due to its more intricate design and apparent autonomy. The form of this Modron is a harmonious blend of these geometric shapes with multiple limbs that move with precise coordination and a, a set of glowing eyes that convey this deep, if mechanical, intelligence. Lex steps forward to go and speak to this Modron and the air itself now feels charged with this palpable sense of order. An underlying principle that seems to govern everything with this mathematical precision, the very essence of Mechanus permeates Lex's senses, offering a glimpse into a universe where chaos has no foothold. Every action, every event is the result of very deliberate design and impeccable timing. And this is where Lex has a moment of realization this surreal beauty that surrounds him in this clockwork plane. He stands at the heart of cosmic order, a place where the laws of physics, laws of magic, intertwine in perfect harmony. And he's awed for a moment. It highlights for a moment the vastness of the multiverse that he's in and the myriad ways in which its fundamental forces manifest and he thinks on that as he approaches this higher Modron, higher order Modron. And as the portal then closes behind him, that is where we will leave Lex for this evening. And we will pick up with Danny next episode around what that conversation entails. <clears throat> you think uh, Lex 
tells as many dick jokes wherever he's going as he does when he's hanging out with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. <laughs> that was Cabin, by the way, to join. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um. I wonder if he loosens up when he's at home. You know, laughs a bit more. Yeah. Or, but I wonder whether actually he will probably be more um, mechanical when he returns. I think mm. uh, being being ears has, has given him quite the uh, personality. And that is mean, because he had a personality before. But you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, he was very wooden before, though. I mean, his laugh yesterday was uh, something to behold. Well, yeah. I suppose, yes. You know, Jewel, yes. you're at home, and um, <laughs> I, know, I know it's not the perfect setting to be... You know, more happy and more full of laughter and all of that, but... Yeah, it is not uh, exactly something where I was kind of envisaging coming home, getting a goblet of wine and sitting watching the sunset. Not uh, all of this. I do not even know how to explain it. Yeah. When you you and Aegeus and Lex had gone down into the portal... um, I, I I just got a little bit of a flavor of your family, and I think Bronze. Of course, she misses you. Of course, she misses you. But she looks up to you and almost wants to mirror your behavior and just look at how she tracks every one of your movements since you've been here. She's it's almost like you're her. You're her big sibling. So. I guess as much as you can spend quality time with her, I know, I know, I'm not going to say she told me, but we had a conversation. I am so very torn, Kevin. I I just want to stay here for weeks and never leave. Um, On our journey, I, well, for want of a better word, died. I don't want to go again. Um... And yet, yes, I also realize I need to spend every available moment trying to find as much information as we can before we go. I I wonder whether, as boring as I may think it will be for her, as you're right, Bronze may want to come along with me while I research and we can catch up. Yeah, uh, she, I, she might. I almost don't want to, because I will not then want to leave. Um, but I, get I will it. try. Yeah. You know, the, the closer you get to them, the harder it is to separate away from them again. I, I understand. You know, lo- moving from, from town to town, city to city, was absolutely fine. Um, even it was almost daunting coming back, but now I want to leave... Now, sorry. Now I am here. Wanting to leave is is the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Um, I hear you, man. 
Well, look, whatever you need, you know, if you if you want um, if you want me to cover, if you want me to spend time with your mom or your dad, do some, you know, whatever. I'm 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 here and available. Um, Mason and I are well, just kind of per- perhaps here. I I will get uh, well if she wants. I will ask Bronze to join me. Um, if she gets bored of what I have planned, then perhaps maybe you can. Um, I think with what I have planned, however, something with the group of us and maybe with Bronze, we can all have a bit of a uh, an activity, maybe sparring with a, you know, having a bit of fun. But yeah, I think I, we all I, need it. I, I, I think after, after sticking my head in boxes, which is what I intend to do, I would need a bit of, um, you know, a stretch, perhaps. Yeah. I'm down. I'm down. I, I feel like since since we had that, I don't know what it was with the Star Touch Crystal, but I feel I feel lighter. I feel like I want to, you know, I want to I want to just be happy too, man. I want to find that. I I just have not had it for I don't remember. I I was a kid, and then maybe f- the first few weeks with Edgeus, you know, we just kind of tumbled around Union City and had a great time just getting to know each other and malarking around and then it all just closed in again and I don't know something about me feels like I deserve I like deserve to have some fun man I've deserved to you know to I look at me I have not smiled in uh it's just (laughs) something something's different I don't know what it is I mean it's I know other societies um, believe, uh, you know, days of mourning are, are, are very much that. Um, uh, around here, I am very glad, and I think it is all over um, the area from uh, Dryad's Gate and everything. We celebrate life, and yes, I am. I am very sad to see Mayanora go, even though we thought that they were, but a day ago, our enemy. They were on our side, and we have lost a, 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 a torch. Uh, a flame on our side mm. of this uh, rather apt considering we are working against shadows to to have fun and to celebrate life I think it is most important now and I I, I want yes I want to do that as well it is so weird how yes the, you know we can so be full of all these emotions and mixed as well as I've just seen a very close companion go through a portal however Mm. I think with this this rock this whatever this is this shard and she's holding it in her hands I yes I do not he does not feel like he uh, he is gone you all feel Mm -hmm. like you are still here I felt it for the first time Kevin I am holding a magical item and I do not despise it yeah this ring and she points to the the ring on her tail is a tool Uh, I have accepted it it has been useful I will not deny but I've never cared for it but I think that because this is my connection truly to all of you now in some way um, it it calms me a little yeah, I, f- I feel the same thing, man. And like, you know, 
what you said about celebrating Mayanora the best way we could celebrate I guess there's different ways but to to fill the day with as much joy and as we can alongside the respect and the you know the sadness that's going to be there I think I think she would want that yeah it was a shame that uh, very recent well shortly after uh, pulling away from all of the darkness that she had been involved is when well she didn't make it but I'm glad to see that she made that change and made that turn yeah I am going to try and find out if I can find more about her life she was my babysitter so I need to find out more about her mm. and when I do I hope it will lead us on a better path um, so I I must do it I must find I must try and we shall see what information I gather yeah I mean you do, you do what you gotta do and I'll uh, me and Mace will cover you know cover in whatever way we need to we'll we'll you know, bang some nails into houses. We'll we'll clean I, up around here. We'll do whatever. I, I was I was going to say we did make a, well, quite the show last night. And perhaps if you could assist, I know they would be very grateful. Yeah, you got it. Hammer and nails, it is then, boy. We got this, Mace. We'll wait. We'll wait. If With you Paragon need any um, tools, our guide. I'm sure my father will be able to uh, provide some spares. Yeah. At the mention of Paige, you do again hear this rhythmic, uh, rhythmic ting, ting, ting. And there's this orange glow from just behind the the House of Shadows where a forge is, is lit and being used. <clears throat> Very good. So as you sort of go about the rest of the morning helping to repair the, the village, you also notice that there are a number of activities going on. Um, a lot of the tabaxi in the area seem to be painting small stones with colours and symbols. Uh, and Mace actually wanders over and... Is this for bronze to fire in her sling and one of the tabaxi just turns no this is uh, um, part of the uh, uh, how you would say funerary rites it mm. is uh, colors and symbols that are significant to the fallen uh, and their journey we will paint them and when we bury them we will Offer these stones to, well, to the forest as part of it. Perhaps uh, your friend, uh, Jules, would like to uh, paint one for uh, the red-headed girl. Me? Uh, well, if you wish to as well, or uh, I meant uh, Dream's daughter. Oh, um, yeah, I think Jules, I don't know what Jules going to do. I think, she, she, you know, they, they have a plan of uh, 
exactly how they're going to pay tribute to the redheaded girl. Stones, is there, um, what about flowers? Or yes, we will, uh, <clears throat> flowers will be placed. Um, there are many different ways of honoring the individual and our ties to nature in the village. So flowers, yeah. these stones, uh, we will indeed bury them beneath the trees of the forest within the well, it is a cemetery of sorts, but it is um, a grove more than anything else. Yeah, I think I'm going to do flowers if you don't mind. If that, if that's, if that's part of the, you know, it's accepted. I. However, yeah. you wish to honor the fallen. Flowers is part of nature. It is beautiful. Hmm. Mace, um, do you want to? hang around here and maybe gather some stones or, or do whatever else that might help with the setup of the the funeral ritual and I think I might go I might go see Jules' mom and see if she wants to go get some flowers or something of course dear boy well, whatever you uh, need to do I can I can be here I can help uh, might go have a word yeah. with the guards as well just to see if they need anything yeah, I saw you talking to the guards. You, what's, what's all that? You, you you seem to have some sort of connection. Were you were they passing a flask back, back and forth to you? You had a bit of a chuckle on your face. What was going on there? It is merely uh, champions recognizing champions, shall we say. They are not champions of deities, but they are champions of a, a village, and they fought with great honor and great sacrifice. It was... Uh, Reminded me of long days gone. Yeah. And there may have been flask involved, but... Uh, it doesn't <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't affect you anyway. All right, man. Well, listen. Um, yeah. Guards, stones, at their service, do, do whatever. And I will, I'll probably be back, I, you know, I don't know, maybe an hour or so or something like that. You good? Very well. I'm good. Always. Okay. I'm, all right. I am... Um, I go to punch Mace in uh, in the chest, just like as a friendly, uh, brotherly punch. And I remember, as I'm just about ready to make contact, that Mace is solid <laughs> metal, and I regret it immediately as my as my my knuckles crunch again. Uh, I, I never forget, and uh, I just kind of <laughs> wince and uh, yeah. All right, I'll see. I'll see you soon. The sound of ringing metal. Just <laughs> Enjoy that, boy. All right, I'll see you soon. And I start making my way over to uh, House of Jewels, or so House Jewel, of Shadows, rather. Good. Jewel, Jewel, Shadows, Jewel yeah. would have would have wandered back inside to find both uh, um, her sister and her mum. Dream and Bronze are still, um, or again with Mayanora's body. Uh, which is now dressed in this fine red dress and you can see bronze has actually been braiding what looks like small flowers into her into Mayanora's red hair that accentuate the the hues of red that shine through accentuate the the hue of the red of the dress but also perfectly complement that porcelain white skin that she has as mm -hmm. well and as you enter dream just looks up ah jewel there you are um did i see lex leave uh yes uh, this 
this shard has um, all shown us quite a lot. He has uh, needed to to go away, um, but he will be back in mere days. Which will uh... there are important things at work. I understand. There Everybody are many. Needs it's... to be here for this. So I I am so all... glad I can stick around for it. Um, it means a lot, and and to, to be honest, Mal, I I would love to know more. Um, more about about Maya Nora, where she came from. Um, I know she looked over me, so I am just. Not only am I just wanting to know the wonderful tale, but also know if all of that can help me know more. Can it guide us along our I path? Mean, if you wish to hear her story, then I am lawkeeper after all. I was hoping to hear some of it from you and read up anything else from the library you have looked over. I know you have a great many things to do, but I would prefer to hear it from you than in a book. Well, as is our way, the stories of vocal kind are always better than those that are written down. And you see she takes out a, a small brush and just begins to brush the other side of Mayanora's hair and sort of looks down on her and it's a, it's a look that again you've seen many a time when your mother looks at you. Um, and there is that familial bond here somehow. Joe, Joe will go and sit next to Bronze then and start braiding that side of her hair so that she's and she smiles at Bronze when she sits down and starts doing it with her. Bronze just sort of elbows you playfully before just resting the head on your shoulder. Hello, sister. I'm so glad to see you. And you. Well then, girls. Um, where to start with this girl who is, or was, such a beauty. Still is such a beauty. Your father and I had not long come to the village along with a number of other tabaxi. Um, it was a return home for, for us. We'd moved to Union City for a while and your father had applied his trade and there were complications with that which meant we sought to leave and come home. So that's his story to tell. Is, is that um, why we have never been to Union City? It is the reason we have not taken you, yes. There are things there that, um, well, let's just say your father's name is not welcome for various reasons. Unfair reasons, I might add. Well, I look forward to putting that right, then. <laughs> let's hope you can. But anyway, Mayanora, um, yes, it was not long after we returned that one of the local elven families uh, the wife gave birth and I was there to help um, this was before I was named law keeper as well but uh, I was there with my understanding of sort of medicine and, and helped to deliver Mayanora into this world uh, even then she was such a beautiful baby um, skin as white as you see now and she was a central part of the village. The new baby is always 
looked upon with such great reverence and uh, rejoicing and respect, ultimately. Did she ever, um, uh, did, did she start showing signs of magical ability? Very early, very early on, she was able to do small things and create a light here or there or small gusts of wind with her hands. Um, it was natural to her, but we knew, all of us knew, there would need to be a, a study. It was not, um, not like your, your friends who are magical by blood, so to speak. There, is, there was an understanding she had of the world around her, um, even at such a young age. Unlike the druids, I, I, I guess, who are around here. Indeed, that is a very yes, more... so the druids get their power from the very earth and the, the na nature around them. Um, she simply knew how to manipulate the magical energies of the world. And we watched her grow, and when your father and I came time to conceive you... She had become such a part of the of the family village, almost. We are such a close-knit group, but such a part of the family that um, she was there for you all the time. She watched over you. She was fascinated by you. Indeed, we would go for walks, and she would look after you and tend to you and she was very much a part of this family and then they came as is their way the the mages seeking out those of power to join their ranks to train amongst them these were the mages from the crystalline isle they were they were um, what were your thoughts on them when they arrived my experience of magic has been both good and bad. There are abilities I have that I can cast certain spells, although I stopped a long time ago when your father and I left Union City for some of the similar reasons as to the reason he stopped crafting weapons. We saw it used in ways that were evil. And at that moment I began to distrust those who could use and put those abilities of my own to the side. So when these mages came looking for a girl who had been as much part of our lives as our own family, we were sceptical. But she was so keen, so eager to go and learn more and enhance her natural abilities. Little did we know that that path would be tainted by others that she would meet while she was there, and I do not know the full story of, of whatever happened there, but... No, I mean, in, in all honesty, the people we met at the Crystalline Isle were... They... they I, I, I believed them to be honourable. Um, I do not... I did not get a sense of... Um them being horrible people but we did already know and they confirmed 
that there was a splinter group. I can only imagine it must have been Z's. This is what I'm led to believe. Indeed, she returned almost a year ago now. After being gone for a decade, maybe was more. This, this was just before I left, wasn't it? This was just before you left. This was when the shadows had started to plague the village. When your friend disappeared. And yes. she returned in the night. And she was... Distraught. Said she had to go into hiding. And she knew of only one place she should go. And that was Thalissa. And that was the last we saw of her up until... Almost a week ago. And she returned once again. And said there was evil coming and something in the village had to be stopped. And she would do what she could to help and then fortuitously well, you all turned up I mean she did that <laughs> she did that very well she did. it was so weird I do not remember her we met in Thalissa very young I did not know of her I'm guessing she recognised me though probably and, well probably. I mean, saying that that city is so massive, perhaps I would have been, I was, well, <laughs> I was uncomfortable in large cities like that. I was hiding myself quite well. Regardless, uh, it, is, it is a shame to have known we've left and lost someone like this. But I do want to know more about who she was and... What happened to on the Crystalline Isle? I think filling in those gaps, maybe we can find more information. So Indeed, I'm not try. sure what my books can help there, other than... <clears throat> do you have anything well, on... histories of the city, but... Yeah, do you have anything on... on on Union City. Did you bring anything back with you? I know that may be a, quite a personal thing, but... I have basic information on the, the nature of the city and what we noted down while we were there. I don't know how much has changed since then. Well, but, um, I wouldn't mind reading that a, before I left. There is a book on that I've been trying to add to about places at least we know, places that surround Stonebark. Chapters in there on Dryad's Gate and the rest of Drymere and Union City. Um, it is on the fourth shelf down from the very top, uh, next to the kitchen dresser, just on the left-hand side. Thank you. Did... Did she or you ever come across a book similar to some, you know, that uh, described, uh, mentioned the type of, I, I think it is some sort of ritual blood magic, 
that she ended up using? Is is that anything you have come across? Any book, even if it just says stay away from it or something? I just I'm just trying to find as much information. The only thing I have on her abilities were that, well, were the notes I made when she returned almost a year ago, where she explained what had happened at least to her friend Jane, who had gone through the ranks with her and. Uh, sorry, Mom. It's just me a message, and that's ridiculously funny. Uh, wife has just opened her iPad to flapjacks up to her screen. Kids. Uh, <laughs> Superb. Um, Brilliant. Um, yes, I, I only have the notes that I took of of what she told me when she came back, but I, I, nothing I, of the how she learned or, or why or where. Is that something I could read up on, at the very least? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's there for you. And if anything, and she looks down at you and Bronze. If anything, that is our legacy for you. All of that information out there, all of those books. Eventually, I will pass, and there will need to be a new lawkeeper. Jewel looks at at Bronze. <laughs> <laughs> and, then look, uh, and then looks back. <laughs> and then looks back. Why are you looking at me? I was thinking how adventurous you are. And how... Well, into books I am, I guess. <laughs> Maybe... Maybe Mama will let me read some, too? I'll select which ones you can read, Bronze, but yes, you can read a few. If it is okay, I think it is probably best if I go and read up on that now. Bronze, perhaps tonight we could um, paint one of the stones, like the rest of the village are doing. And then tomorrow morning... I think I have something fun planned with Cavern. Do you think you'd want to um, come and have a little of a play? Oh, that sounds fun. M Mama, can I go with, with Jewel? Yes, Prons, you can go with your sister. Uh, make sure you look after Cavern. A good soul, that one. He has um, kept us... In the right frame of mind recently. He is indeed a uh, formidable individual as well. Jewel will stand up, brush Maynor's hair, and then will slowly wander off. What is the world going on? Early on in the conversation, looked through the window to see that Jewel was talking to Dream and Bronze, and it looked like a, a family moment. And although he wanted to enter the house, he decided he wasn't going to. He was going to let you know let them have that moment. So he started making his way around to the back of the house where Paige was working on some metalworks, and um, has been talking to Paige for a while, just kind of. Um, 
trying to get into a conversation with Paige as Paige is walking is is working. So as you round the house, you see the the ash smeared face, which is uh, bizarre on a uh, a panther like tabaxi, because the ash actually appears like grey streaks on this black fur. Um, as opposed to sort of blackened skin, if you like, on a on a normal humanoid, um, there are <laughs> slight singed tufts of fur as well. Um, as he is there and is just hammering out this new uh, pommel, and you can see the the blade of Aegis's uh, wakashashi. Wakashashi is just off to the side hang exposed um, and this new new handle being crafted with two sockets in it um, and he's there just sort of hammering away ting 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 and an ember just fuck oh Ooh, that looked is that, yeah is that does that happen a lot? Was that just a, a, a hot ember, or what was that? It is a, uh, yes, hot embers. I am a little out of practice, shall we say. But uh, oh. still, this should suffice, hopefully. Out of practice? What are you talking about, out of practice? You swing that thing like you've... Like you've not missed a beat. I don't know if you've ever missed a beat. I mean, the precision and the timing and the rhythm... The cadence is all it's like a it's like a metronome. It's it's pretty beautiful. Thank you. It is uh, yeah. an artist right to take some pride in their work at least. Um still not my finest. I have made much, much better blades than this in my time. Th this is this is uh this is Edges, right? It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's... I don't know if you heard, but we... Aegeus made his way to Union City, and then I... Well, Lex is... Lex had to do something as well, and uh, so... Jewel and I are here, and... I guess we'll be leaving in a... In a little bit, in a day or two or something, uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, How are you feeling, Kevin? After... I'm... The events of the portal and the crystal, and... How are you doing? Yeah, I'm. I'm surprisingly. Uh, I don't know. I'm surprisingly good. I'm surprisingly good. I mean, it's you know, it's it's horrible and it's a tragedy and and I. It, it's hard for me to <laughs> to really express how good I'm feeling because I understand that I shouldn't be feeling this good. I should be feeling you know in mourning and sad and all of that. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a, a, a mixture, but I'm I'm torn. I'm torn. Uh, I mean, Edgius went to Union City, I, that's where I met him, so I was, my mind's with him at times, and uh, I feel like I want to laugh at times, and I feel like I want to, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm, what the fuck, I'm all over the place, aren't I? I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody said it, because I think that's how we're all feeling, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, certainly seem a lot uh, more centered than when we first met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel. Uh, I think that's the word. I think that's the word. I, you know, I'm thinking about. I, 
I think about my past and I'm not so sad or angry or fucking furious about it anymore. I'm just, uh, it's just something that, that feels like it happened and, and now is now. And, uh, why, why, why should I let that drag me down? Why should I let that continue to, to fill me with anger and rage? And what is that serving? And so, uh, yeah, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to look a little bit at the brighter side of things. Yeah. But the rage you have that you feel, make sure it has its place when you need to, such as what we saw when you fought those shadows. And might I say you were damn effective at it. But um, yes, I'm sure it has its place, but your general demeanor, as you say, not letting this bring you down. I mean, you will hear from my beloved. Tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. in the evening, when she does something of a vigil, mm. life is to be celebrated at all times, especially when it comes to an end. Though it is not the end, so to speak, just the next step on a journey. Yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm right with you. Kevin looks at the pile of iron next to page and sees uh, different lengths of almost like iron rods like almost like rebar and iron rods and things like that mm-hmm. and um he actually he harkens back to a game he played when he was a child uh, and he says as stupid question page um do you ever play have you ever heard of chilika uh, it's a ch- ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, and Kevin goes and grabs uh, a longer, and uh, just like I just, I just see that a second, and um, waiting for a response from Paige. Go, go on. And he holds it, and he, he holds it almost like a cricket bat or a baseball bat, and he just swings it a couple times, and he says, yeah, that would work. And then he looks, and he sees another one that's split shorter, about a foot and a half or so. And he says, could, could I borrow that one as well? Um, yeah, I'm not... Uh, no, have it, sure. All right, so... And then he goes around and he looks and he sees if he can find a rock. He wants to find a rock that's about uh, the size of a, uh, let's say, a grapefruit or something like that. And he finds a rock and he he leans the smaller rod against the rock, right? And then he turns to Paige and he says, "It's it's it's uh it's called Chalika and this is a uh, my my house parent uh, that I, I I grew up without real parents and um anyway." What you do is you, you, you take this one and he holds the, the bigger rod and he, and he, and he says, you, you slam it down on the smaller one, but the angle flips the smaller one up. And then as it's flipped up and kind of flying through the air, then you, you kind of swing back and you crank it and you hit it out into the, you hit it out into the forest and uh, you see how far you can hear it. And, and when you were a kid, you would do it as, as a competition with your friends. And, um, what you, and so he, uh, he says, do, do I don't know if I could still do it, but would you mind if I if I tried to do that? I am <clears throat> excuse me. I am uh, intrigued. 
Yeah. So, let's let's see what you say. So he uh, he stands in front of the 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 rod that's tilted against the rock, and he kind of takes a couple measured half strokes down, and then he goes and swats it down, and the rod flips up at about waist height, and he swings and makes contact and sends it. And uh, he goes, that, that, fucking, now I can, that's, oh, that's Chalika. So Chalika is, what you do is, you then go, oh, let me go, and he goes and runs, and he gets the smaller rod, and he brings it back, and he leans it up against the rock, and he hands it to Paige, and he says, all right, so I'll, come on, do you want to try? Come over here, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. it. There's something about making contact, well, we used to do it with wood. So, uh, you know, a, a, a piece of a branch, a larger branch and a smaller branch and the, the contact a pure piece of contact wood on wood is beautiful but the but the metal on metal is also pretty cool as well and here give it give it a try i'll show you how to do it <laughs> he places his hammer and his tongs down and looks at the 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 handle of the the blade i think i'm pretty much done anyway time to reforge very well Kevin. let's see this chalika let's have a go yeah, Chalika, Chalika. So, so he hands the the larger rod to to Paige, and he says, "Now, what you do is you just you measure how much to strike down. You don't want to strike down too much because it'll fly up. It might even hit you in the head. If you measure too low, it'll just kind of spin around on the ground. You want to just let it float up there about halfway, and then rear back and just absolutely get your hips into it and just crank right for the middle of that rod. Give it a go. Very well. Oh. Stand back, just in case. Oh, and you see uh, <laughs> yeah. Paige takes that longer iron rod and sort of flourishes it around a little bit, almost like a sword. Concussion inbound. And then <laughs> lifts it up and <laughs> brings it down. <laughs> 12, not a d20, what a twat. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> And first strike <laughs> misses. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, Again? Spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spread your legs out a little bit more. Okay. Now, loose, loose with your arms. Loose with your arms. Now, Kevin gets behind just, him. And uh, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pottery moment. <laughs> Kevin is literally. Let right me help you him. with your rod. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, just just, and, just poke, poke your bum out a bit more. No, Ben. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now just, 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 it's all just feel it. It's all <laughs> in the field. Uh, yeah, and just, and just so, coaches him through it one more time. And you notice Paige just sort of closes his eyes for a minute and gets very serious for a second and just. And you see his sort of toes bend inwards slightly, almost into a pigeon sound. He softens his knees and then raises the iron rod. We're going to give him an advantage on this one, seeing as you are technically helping. And this time, ching, connects down and that little iron rod just floats up and his eyes open. And his rear foot actually slides back and knocks you back out of the way as he spins on the spot. And it's almost like a dance as he then connects and... Boom. 
and you can I... see the swordsman in him as he strikes and that small little bar just yeah and Kevin just looks <laughs> and is is literally like shocked and awed and looks at Paige and says you've never played before? I've never played this game but uh Let's just say I have swung iron before. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Did you did you get the feeling? Did you did you? It's that that pure contact, and I saw it. It was you were. Oh. Did you did would you would you did you a, get it? A joy in the simplicity of of the game, I suppose, of yeah. the raw nature of just connection. I, I, hear you. I understand, yes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this. I don't know how much you know of my culture, tabaxi culture, but uh, things like this, sharing uh, knowledge, a joy, a passion, a game, it is something we hold higher than any... Uh, currency or physical trade or payment of sorts it is indeed in olden days it is how we traded and stories and joys and passions and arts this is beautiful that you are sharing it with with me i owe yes. you a, a debt for doing so no debt no debt uh i've been your guest and uh, it's yours now, and enjoy it and teach it to others. Uh, I, I haven't seen many people play it, but that was a childhood game of mine. So, yeah, it was fun to play with you. Maybe something to do with, uh, with bronze. Yeah. She has not had much time as a child of late. I reckon she'd love it, and you're, you'd be a great teacher. Well, I have been taught by someone who is also a great teacher. Ah. You have a uh, kind soul, Kevin. Thanks. And good, good heart. And Kevin uh, reaches forward to kind of punch Paige in the chest, just as a brotherly Paige, a brotherly little pop in the chest. But Paige is built. Paige has been swinging iron forever, and it's like hitting Mace in the chest, basically. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to say uh, Paige sort of catches your motion and just slides your arm past him and then just pulls you in for a man hug of sorts. But then it settles very quickly into a, a fatherly hug as well. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thanks, Paige. And, he, and Kevin actually squeezes a little harder and uh, feels like he hasn't had this type of fatherly hug ever and so he basks in it a little bit but not to be too awkward but just really tries to savor every nanosecond of it until Paige releases the hug and Paige does sort of release it and holds you by the shoulders and just looks you'll go far my friend I think I look forward to hearing of your your adventures with my daughter 
I'll take care of her. I'll uh, I'll make sure she comes back. Indeed, I think you will take care of each other. But I appreciate yeah. the sentiment. Oh look, there are my girls. Off to read the books. I will catch up with them later. Yeah, I'll go see what Mace is doing. Uh, hey, thanks for taking a little break from work. And if I don't see you sooner, <laughs> you I'll see you at the, uh... the break. No, yeah, no, it's it's it's. Been I great will see you this evening. I'm uh, not sure uh, who I told this evening before we all retire and ready for tomorrow, which will be a, a longer day after the morning. But uh, we have what is called the Vigil of Whispers tonight. Um, we will all get together. We will share stories. We will share memories of those who have departed. Um, there will be a, a grand bonfire. Indeed, I think. And he looks around. Looks like they have roped your friend Mace into building. Uh, grand bonfire. And we will sit around and enjoy company, share stories, drink, sing, play music. It is beautiful. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, I will. I will be there. I'll be on the in the front row. Very good. Well, Kevin, you go and do what you must do. I must finish this blade for your friend. Time to reforge. Kevin backs away and uh, just raises a hand and says, "I'll, I'll see you later." And uh, backs around the corner again of the house. Very good. The camera sort of into the sky and streaks away, miles away, where a skeletal form sits atop a moose, uh, singing a song just on the journey. Edgius, is there anything you would be doing today as you travel towards Union City? This being the, the second day now and you will approach Union City short, well, towards the end of this day. Um, can I just confirm the path at which I took? Because yes, um, I, I, um, I had a thought of going across the mountainous peaks actually and trying to reach the high point rather than going around and entering through the bottom of the city, but instead come over the top and come to that monastery first before then descending into the city if I wish to after speaking to said swordsman that apparently lives high up there. So I'll say you spend some time trying to find a path up into the mm. mountains. Um, this will slow you down slightly. Um, mm. You very quickly realize that you have no idea where this monastery is, what peak mm. it's on, and this mountain range is vast and quite difficult to traverse um there aren't many foothills or smaller mountainous structures in here it's almost like the peaks themselves just jut up um so you find it quite difficult i'm going to say that adds half a day onto your journey before you just decide to then rejoin the road so to speak or at least follow the the mountain the edge of the mountains around and eventually find that central path, that central road, mm -hmm. uh, that main road that leads towards Union City. Hey, Fletch. Is that the um, is that the uh, Corellian uh, Corellian Pass? 
So no, you would from Stonebark, you would have gone into the come mountains the a little bit to yeah. sort of the north and north, and then you'd yeah. come down and come around, um, yeah. joining that sort of white dotted line that you see there, which is the main main thoroughfare. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what is that road called? Just so I have for future reference. That road, I will. Uh, do you know the what? Southern Path. I've not named it, <laughs> so I will allow you to name it should you see fit. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna if go you don't want the... to, I will come up with a name. No, I've got it. I've got it. I've got you straight straight away. It's called the uh, it's called the straight and narrow. Nice, nice. Uh, cool. Oh, Along I'll the path, um, Edgius will you know every now and then check in with the Star Touch Crystal to see how everyone else is feeling, um, and you know using its its ability to try and see how how the gang are doing and uh, just kind of check in. Um, can I have a read on how Lex is doing once he crosses into the portal? Emotions-wise, like, what's you, he, what's he you feeling? You reach out to Lex. Mm. And after it's after you feel that initial pull. Mm. And it's that point you realise you can't actually sense Lex's emotions. Oh. If I remember rightly. Those are on the same plane, I think it was. Yeah. Is it... They tune oh. as long as they're on the same plane of existence. Oh, well, fuck a doodle dandy. Um, <laughs> Edgius is going to be like, hmm, that's weird. Maybe Lex has turned his off or uh, put it on airplane mode or something. Um, <laughs> Skyship mode. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. On, on uh, fucking <clears throat> airship mode. Um, Edgius along the journey as well will be singing lots of songs to himself. Um, he'll be, you know, uh, petting Jezebel, stopping intermittently to fit Jezebel, uh, to feed Jezebel, sorry. And, um, he will also have realized that he now no longer has either sword and is just outfitted with a dagger currently. And that if he gets attacked, he's definitely not in a great place to handle any sort of like bandits or, you know, any sort of, uh, mercenaries or anything just on the path. Oh, um, nonsense. I just has his wit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. His, his, strong, his strong power of, uh, of conversation. Um, but I think the main thing that is going through Edgius's mind, um, the main two things that are going through Edgius's mind. The first one is apprehension for coming back to a place at which he, you know, when, when Kevin found Edgius, he was at a low point. You know, he was drinking a lot he was you know singing for singing for bed singing for booty singing for coin singing for anything he could uh you know at, at a certain point and um he knows that ahead of him he will have to go back to his home at some point just to know just to find out so I think he's apprehensive about that. And then something else that's ringing around his mind is he remembers a note that he had on his cork board back at his old detective's office, which he also intends to visit when he uh, goes back to Union City. Um, and he remembers a note that was on that cork board underneath, uh, you know, he had Klein kind of like at the center, Maximilian Klein, and he had all these, you know, threads coming off of it. And he remembers a note that came off of that cork board 
And it was a name that he is now familiar with again. Kenji Matsumoto was connected to Klein. And Aegeus had learnt from someone that Klein had, for a brief period of time, studied underneath someone named Kenji, Kenzi, uh, Kenji Matsumoto. He didn't know what for at the time. He didn't know whether it was, you know, arcane abilities, you know, like channeling his sorceress abilities, you know, whether that was, you know, uh, you know, training in like illegal affairs or anything like that. But now having spoken to Jules' father, knowing that he intends to go and train underneath the same gentleman who trained my greatest rival. And it's beginning to dawn on Aegeus that his journey went from a let's end it all and like, like find a reason to live to now his journey is a roiling rampage of revenge. And that's what's going through Aegeus' mind as he travels down the straight and narrow. Very good. We will say you continue traveling then, thinking on this and remembering that name. And as you remember the name and the note, there is another name of sorts or something that comes into your memory but you can't quite place why and the mm. name is Kumo Ryu Ryu spell R-Y-U yep K-U-M-O-R-Y-U I thought so. I'm going to put a big fat question mark with an underline underneath that name. And, uh, okay. and yeah, it's, it's kind of rattling around his head. And, um, yeah, he's, do you know what, filled with a purpose. And also, for the first time, I think he also, like, it tunes in for a moment. He's like, oh, shit, I forgot that I'm wearing the weights. That must mean they're doing their job. And, uh, and that's about it. That's about it as he travels. Very good. So you continue on your journey and not necessarily the next night as you had originally planned, but halfway through the next day, the third day, so to speak, of, of traveling, you enter into Union City. And I would describe this for everybody else, even though it's a... A somewhat recognizable site for Regius, but this city which is nestled at the foot of the Athenir mountain range. Its architecture and layout echo the diverse cultural influences that make up the city because it is indeed a, a melting pot of sorts. It is a central conjunction between three major regions of NOS. The region of Juvund, the region of Kedmir Kingdom, and the region of Dryamir itself. Um, the city itself is built in tiers, rising up the mountainside, each level reflecting a different aspect of the multicultural heritage that go on. 
the lowest tier as edgiest enters is robust and bustling very reminiscent of viking or norse um architecture and culture there is a, a norse inspired marketplace in the middle much more elven middle tiers blend into this elven elegance but also have these sturdy practical designs of clear human influence as well and then the uppermost tier closest to the mountain is just this marvel of elven craftsmanship it seems to merge with the natural beauty of the mountain range itself the city itself sort of ascends up the, the mountainside and it culminates on this top tier with this awe-inspiring sky dock located on one of the uppermost levels. These docks themselves are a marvel of engineering and magic where skyships and airships from across the known world come to, uh, to dock, to trade and to share news. The lowest tier retains that robust Norse vibe, middle tiers blending human and elven architecture and then the top being the elven most again. There is a mix of races in this city, indeed you could not put a finger on one race being the um, sort of majority in the city. You see every type of individual, and at this point I'm going to assume that Edius is Mr. Teed Up. Um, you Actually, see he's going to go human... for his female. He's going to go for his female alter ego. Go yes, female individual. Very good. Mm. So there are um, humans, elves, uh, half breeds, half elves, and half humans. There's orcs, half orcs, goliaths, furbolgs, tabaxi, gnomes, halflings. You see everything here. Every type of individual here. Um, and as Edius enters into the city, I'm going to say that is a perfect place for us to take a short break. Can I add one thing? Of course you can. As, as Edius enters, though he approaches in his female form, he realizes that his time in Union City was always filled with deceit, trickery, um, him kind of, you know, trying to be something that he was not. So, for the first time in public, he makes a very conceited decision that if I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna be myself this time. He goes skeleton form and enters the city skeletal. Ooh. Roll initiative. Very good then. Well, we will pick that back up. And in fact, I think we're going to pick back up into Stonebark Village again when we come back. Uh, and we will do the, the funeral piece. And then we will pick up with Edius after that as well. Before all coming together, hopefully, towards the end of the episode, but we will see what happens. So, yes, meet us back here in a few minutes. Get yourselves a drink, go stretch your legs, and yeah, we'll be back in a few to continue this uh, RP heavy episode 50.
This is Danny, and you're listening to the Malt and Magic podcast. If you're enjoying the show so far, don't forget to check out the live action antics Mondays at 7.30pm UK time over on twitch.tv forward slash malt and magic. The VOD episodes will land on our YouTube channel each Friday following the Monday stream. Also, please leave our podcast a rating and send us your feedback. We do love to hear from you. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey yo, back. There we go. We were having a great conversation in the background there. So, yeah. <laughs> Must continue that later. Um, anyway, thank you all for sticking with us. Hopefully, everybody's had a moment to stretch their legs and sort of chill out for a bit. Get yourselves a drink ready for part two. We are going to pick up part two in the evening of um, the same day in Stonebart Village. Um, so sort of the, the evening before Edius arrives into Union City, time hopping a little bit. Um, Jewel and Cavern, was there anything else you wanted to do throughout that day at all, or were you all good to just go into the evening? Jewel, I know you were going to look at some notes, we're going to cover that off. Um, yeah, yeah, we can we can retroactively discuss that one. I, I, I look forward to, to hearing about the evening. Um I think you would probably find that Jewel would um, change out of the clothes that she's been wearing. They are very smart, um, but a little too corporate, for want of a better word, because mm-hmm. my brain's not quite working. But yeah, very much that you know, very much businesslike. Uh, so she goes to find a, in honour of Mayonora, a. Um, a red outfit, a dress. Uh, she keeps the cloak because of its, you know, it being red. Um, but for the first time, um, again, Kevin and Maze are really the only ones there who would otherwise see her differently. She is in a uh, a very nice, um, very nice dress and. She has uh, this uh, kind of weird, well, probably weird to you guys, but it's very, um, I don't want to say tiara, but it's almost like a, just a thing made of wood, twigs, and leaves with a tiny little gem on it, and that's just on her head. A, a forest-style circlet. Forest circlet, yes. Excellent <clears throat> stuff. Um, and I will, not that Jewel isn't always beautiful, but uh, beauty is elevated in this moment as well. Uh, and even dreams. She's she usually trying sort of to hide. And this yeah. is the first dream time you've seen of, she's not. Dream takes a moment of. My oh dear. You are simply stunning. I have, um, I have spent my last year. Aiding, and I want to be present tonight. Indeed, you are as beautiful as your mother. And you are as tactful as ever. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we, uh... Let us go and and do this. Let's. 
and I will say, Kevin, that Paige has also given you some slightly more formal clothes as well to sort of um, elevate your appearance, so to speak. But mm. you also being conscious, you didn't want to show up in your sort of same dusty overalls and mm. that have still got the marks of battle on them. Uh, <laughs> Bron spends part of the afternoon actually helping Mace to shine up some of his metal and sort of buffs it out and gets some of the scratches out and clears off some of the, the rust where it has rusted. Uh, and Mace shines in his copper glory, uh, no longer tarnished, so to speak. And, and you all now wander over to a, a great bonfire in the middle of... Uh, well, not far away from the well, actually, but in the middle of the, the city. And you see a number of individuals all just seated around it in this great circle. People have brought cushions or something to sit on as you surround this, this bonfire. And there are songs being sung. There are stories being told amongst each uh, sort of small group, so to speak. Um dream and page lead you all to a, a place closest to the well where there is a small gap left for the five of you five of you um and you sit and dream just sort of turns to her compatriots around her and good evening good evening uh sort of small talks had and eventually individuals stand and talk about the individuals they have lost. A son talks about his father and how in the moments of the, the Shadowfell incursion, how his father protected him and his sister. Not with weapons or magic, but just with his body and his love. And the son talks of how he longs to live up to his father's memory. And how he will take over his father's bakery, but at the same time he will try to embody the same strength and honour that his father brought. A husband stands and talks of his wife, who was a gentle soul a caring individual, an amazing mother, an amazing wife, but also so very strong as well and in those moments where the shadows attacked she did not hide, she did not sit back and watch, she was out helping other individuals to get to safety. And during that moment where she was getting a whole family to safety, a shadow attacked. And she did not go out screaming, she did not go out in fear, she met her end with fierce determination. And stories continue, memories of the departed. Page stands. We have all lost many. My family and I here mourn our beautiful red-headed Maynor, whose family died long before she could return, but 
She always had family with us. A gentle soul when she was young, but again, such a strong individual. We did not show her enough of what she could be. Instead, she found that all on her own. And despite the challenges she faced, despite the horrors in her life, in the end, she chose to give herself for this village. Join my daughter and her friends in fighting the battle head on, sealing the portal beneath this village. I, for one, will remember that red-headed little girl who used to bounce around outside our house. She will be missed, but she will be remembered, like all our fallen brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, friends. Tonight in our Vigil of Whispers, let us remember all who have gone, not just in our most recent endeavors and encounters and horrors, but all who have fallen in the village. Jewel, I invite you now to stand, and I know I did not ask you this before. We did not give your friend a true moment. If you will, I would ask you to share of your truest friend at the time. Jewel stands up and goes little closer to the campfire I was too sorrowful when I lost my best friend I simply needed to find the one responsible I now see I very narrow-mindedly did not see the the plight that the village was under and I simply needed to seek or more precisely escape my sorrow. Returning has been joyful and sorrowful but I am glad to know that we have made friends along the way and that I now can remember my best friend and do everything I can in their memory. They are the one to told, who told me to follow my art, to believe in myself and to trust in myself. I now believe I can honor their passing as I could not do before. I miss them always, but I am glad of those many days and years of growing up. This I am grateful for, and also for Mayor Nora's guidance with this village, with my family. And with everything she has tried to do 
And with her last moments, she did more to save this village than we could all do combined. She will be with us in our hearts as we carry on her journey. Make me a perception check, please, Jewel. Which I believe is the first player role of the night. I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, uh, a perception check of 19. Your natural ability now to influence or at least obtain the influence of the astral plane. There is a moment where your vision just goes slightly blurry and dancing around the fire you see a small tabaxi girl, Katrana, her spirit dancing around, chased by beautiful elven individual, long flowing hair. You recognise the spirit of Mayanora as they both dance and then disappear into the ether. Indeed, no, the knowing go on. The, yeah, knowing Jules' close shave and path, she she acknowledges and realizes that she'd been holding on to the the memory of Katrina too much and hadn't given her her right of passage. So to see both of them around the fire pleases her now. Indeed, the evening continues with stories shared and it takes on a less somber air and a more celebratory air as you all start to share stories and indeed food and drink begins to brought out and it turns into a celebration of these individuals' lives. The evening continues and eventually everybody sort of moves away as the fire dies down to its embers. Page and Dream lift Bronze who has fallen asleep long ago and carry her back to their house as you all follow and rest for the evening. In the morning, Jewel Cavern Bronze, you all leave early to go and find just a moment of fun. Um, and I, just in the essence of time, I will ask you to sort of describe the games you play, but we won't go into too much detail around that. Um, I think Jewel would probably try and take Cavern's lead on this, um, but would in essence be looking for some fun... Um, very playful sparring. Uh, possibly a bit of hide and seek with. Um, yeah, she would definitely, you know, uh, proffer the idea of hide and seek with bronze. Um, but yeah, that type of, you know, who can hit what target from far away and, you know, just fun little challenges to one up each other. 
Oh, oh you're oh, muted, Tom. Muted. And Kevin supports... Kevin feels like he's there to facilitate a moment between Jewel and Bronze more so than participate. So when he sees an opportunity, he pulls his drum out. And as Jewel and Bronze are kind of gallivanting around and sparring a bit, he rhythmically plays the drum almost as an invitation for them to, instead of spar, to dance around with each other and to have a playful sisterly moment with each other. And he laughs and he plays a really vibrant beat on the, as it were, kind of like a single bongo that he carries around with him, a small little drum, and um, tries to create some energy of the sisters to have just some free and innocent sisterly bonding and love with each other. And there is a moment where Bronze, as she's dancing around with her sister, and you've noticed actually, Jewel, in these moments, how skilled your sister's become despite your absence with the, uh, the sling and her ability to hide almost as good as yours. Um, but as you now begin this sisterly dance and frivolous moment, Bronze reaches down to her side and takes out that flute and just begins to play a few rudimentary notes. Kevin, you recognize the flutes as your friend's edges, and you know what lies hidden within. Jewel, you would have seen this as well, and maybe you don't remember its edges, but you've seen it somewhere. Um, and there's a moment where she's sort of dancing around, playing just, it's, it's nothing special, just a few notes in some form of subtle, simple melody. And then she just takes that flute and expands it out and sting, rapier forms. And just <laughs> begins to sort of do a strange dance around with it before sting, folding it back up again and playing the flute again, which is not a flute, it's a whistle, but who can <laughs> who can do flute sounds? Not me. <laughs> That's one for the experienced voice actors. Um, very good. You play for a while and you enjoy the company and then you return to the village with contentment in your hearts and satisfaction and joy knowing that this afternoon will be both full with joy but also remembrance and and that somber feeling again that sadness that comes with burying friends and family and indeed as noon passes you enter into a phase of the funerary rites known as the offering of essences each attendee of the funeral rites brings with them an offering that represents the very essence of the deceased, be it a personal belonging, a written poem, or a natural element like a stone or a flower. There is a woven basket that is placed 
at the entrance to the, the cemetery and you now notice that there are a number of small holes that are dug around a tree. This woven basket placed in front and individuals go and place their offerings into this basket. Kevin, you did spend time with Dream to go and find some flowers and you find some poppies of all things. And the redness of the poppy you choose to go and place in in the offering as a remembrance of Mayanora. Other individuals place teddies or clothes or flowers, stones, bark into this basket. Once all offerings are then delivered, the painted stones are then placed in intricate patterns around these small holes that have been dug. And as the stones are then placed, the symbols and the colours that are significant to the deceased and their life's journey, they are laid around what you now realise is going to be a, a burial site of sorts, a memorial space, creating this sacred mosaic that will remain as a tribute to the departed. And indeed, Kevin, you now look around and see older stones that are painted, Jewel, you would know they are there that have perhaps faded in time and tarnished, become dirty over time. It is at this moment that the funeral pyres are lit and each of those bodies individually is reduced back to earth, to ash. The ashes are collected by the individual's families, and indeed it is Paige that goes and collects Mayanora's ashes. And they are placed in muslin cloth and very delicately wrapped and placed then into these holes where the stones are laid out. And as the sun then dips over the horizon, Kevin, you are notified by bronze, actually, that this is now what we call the final whisper. Each uh, person who is sad will approach and uh, whisper a final message to those who they have lost. Yeah, we do so because we think then, or we believe these whispers are carried by the wind to the spirits of the individuals. Hopefully they realise that they are loved and remembered, even though they are gone. And all of the family sort of go up and whisper. Paige goes up and whispers at Mayanora's burial site. Jewel, Cavern, is there anything you wish to do in this moment? Jewel will follow her father walk up and we'll kneel down and to nobody else would really hear but she will kneel down and whisper 
time was very brief. But we were all on the same journey. I hope you are resting now, not in fear of those who chased you. And in by no means will we become that that we chase, but know that they will eventually be sorry for what they did to you. You will rest now, knowing you have brought light to our village once more. She gets up and she's actually <clears throat> Carry on, sorry. got in her pocket um, Mayonora's dagger. And she looks on this and slides it back into her robes knowing that Mayonora will now be with them in some way. Very good. Kevin steps forward and is kind of echoing or imitating what the others have done in bending down on one knee. And he looks around to the side to see who's watching him or not watching him. And to himself, he just says... I think I'm supposed to pay honor to someone that I've lost. And I realize I have no parents. I don't know if they're alive or dead. I have no siblings that I'm aware of. I just have my friends, and as far as I know, they're alive. So until someone that I consider loved perishes, I'll go on and try to live an honorable life and support my friends until either they or I have a ceremony like this with honor paid to us. And he just bows his head and gets up slowly and backs away from the area. As all the mourners then return to the congregation, Dream steps forward under a sky that's now painted with the soft hues of dusk. She stands before the gathered crowd, her gaze sweeping over the faces of her kin, 
each shadowed by grief, yet alight with the memory of those they've lost. And she begins to speak, her voice steady, imbued with the weight of her role as the, the village's law keeper. And she stands and says, Today we stand at the threshold of worlds, not as beings tethered to this earth, but as souls bound by the infinite cycle of life and death. We gather in the embrace of this great forest, the trees under whose boughs we find shelter in life and solace in death. We are here to honour those who have journeyed beyond that veil, guided by the stars and the whispers of our ancestors. All our kin from Stonebark carried the essence of our world within them, each thread of their being woven into the tapestry of our lives. In their passing, we are reminded of the delicate balance that governs all things, the dance of shadow and light, the ebb and flow of the tides of the spirit. Let us not dwell in the shadows of sorrow, but find solace in the knowledge that their spirits embark on a journey to the realms beyond guided by our ancestors' whispers and the light of the moon. As we commit their memories to the heart of the forest, let their legacy be a beacon that guides us all through the darkest nights. To my dear Mayanora, to all we have lost, we offer our gratitude for the lessons learned, the battles fought, the battles yet to be fought, and the love that was shared. Your spirits now roam free, unbound by the shackles of your physical form, joining the chorus of the ancients that sing the song of the universe. As law keeper to this village, I vow to carry your stories, to weave them into the fabric of our history, Ensuring that your essence forever dances with the wind, caresses the leaves, and flows with the rivers. In your memory we will stand strong against shadows, against darkness. Our bonds unbroken, our resolve unwavering. You have not truly left us. If you live on in the stories that we tell, the songs we sing, and the hearts that remember you. Farewell, my dears, until we meet again on the shores of the spirit world, where every whisper tells the story of a life well lived. There's a subtle breeze that blows through now. That speech, a blend of mourning and celebration, reverence for nature and 
a deep belief in the spiritual journey encapsulates the the essence of this community's beliefs and traditions offers comfort to some closure to others and there is on that wind almost like a great sigh a great release of tension as people come to terms and say goodbye Dur during the uh, page of speech no dream speech sorry dream speech dream speech um, at the start of it Jewel looks up when she mentions the um, the stars and she looks up at the stars and, and notices and thinks about the stars of the astral plane and of the watcher and that kind of connection she sees she does for want of a better word like not almost disconnect but like she doesn't necessarily hear too much of the speech she's in her own little world thinking about that comes back at the end of it when she starts talking about you know the path that we all take um, and that sigh brings her back as well very good as the evening passes then the mourners go back to their homes no celebration tonight just the moments to be with their kin and indeed you all go back as a family of shadows and you don't say much to each other but just be together and you sleep knowing that the next day Cavern and Jewel is the day where you begin to prepare to set off for Union City to go and find Aegeus as we join Aegeus the next day pause Aegeus, you wonder pause pause shout out to Dave Tom and Matt for that incredible <laughs> little bit of RP. Super deep, super emotional, just absolutely fucking beautiful. If you're listening, guys, you just got blessed with some beautiful RP and storytelling right there. So be thankful that your ears were gr graciously uh, gifted such beautiful storytelling because fucking hell, that was awesome, guys. Well done. Oh, thank you, baby. Uh, yeah, indeed. Thank you. And thank you both. Tom and, uh, and Dave for that, for the input there. It is awesome. Bodhi, Edgius then. You wander mm. through the, the Norse-inspired lower tier of Union City aboard a moose, and you get a lot of strange looks. Hey! A lot of strange looks. Good day! You are What's a moving skeleton aboard a moose. And you see a number of people very quickly just scamper off, like, oh, what the fuck is that? Um, you are stopped by a number of guards. Halt. Creature. Okay, that's an interesting way to start the conversation. Well, how's your day going, sir? Um... Do we kill skeletons or I I this one's speaking. 
I'd like to carry. I what, am what, what, simply a what person is your business? Like you. Uh, oh, okay, straight down to it. Okay, um, it sounds like your day is going really well. Um, my name is Edgius Bones. I once was a private detective here in this gorgeous city. I actually have a home uh, in the lower tier here. Um, I've simply returned from many years of travel in which I have done things. Lost and some weight? Back. Uh, you could say that. Well, I lost the weight before I left, but I, I used to dress up um, kind of like a... Have you ever heard of drag? We have some drag acts in the city, yes. Exactly like that. So I used to dress up, hide my identity, but you know, I thought this time I'd be legit. Um, you know, and and look, you know, I, I, I'm just gonna say, maybe consider, you know, you're part of the city guard. You represent this city of the great seven families. And your first reaction is, do I attack that creature? Look, you're an orc. I'm not going, oh, do I attack that orc? Because he's like, let's, you know, some respect to your homie. I'm just a person just like you, you know? So, just for context, half orc, and uh, usually when skeletons move, and uh, that's some necromancy, and we have to put them down. So, forgive us for maybe being a little bit dis disrespectful. You are forgiven. You, you are 100% forgiven. Um, what's your name, soldier, uh, guard, uh, gentleman, uh, ward? For... Uh... No, I hate when people ask me this, because it's such a simple name, it just makes me look foolish. My name is Grug. Grug? Or Grog? Grug. No, Grug. Grug. Two U's. Oh, two U's? Oh, no, just that's fun. Just, just, just Grug. My parents were Orc, and, well, my father was Orc, my mother was human, and, yes, uh, me, I am Grug. Oh, that's so weird. That's like the um, the two, the two famous bards. What are they? Uh, Prince and Cher, I think. That's that's such an interesting way to, uh, to to go about that. Um, well, you make me feel better I'm, about single name now. I appreciate you. Hey, they were great musicians, and if you ever get a chance to listen to any of their ballads, I do a good cover of uh, of of one of Cher's songs, actually. But. It's neither here nor now. Uh, look, the question. So I tempted have... to make you sing this. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, you had a question. Grug, yes. Um, I'm looking for a gentleman. I was told that he sits atop a high mountain. Uh, his name is Kenji Matsumoto. I would appreciate <laughs> if you could point me in his direction. Uh, you take out uh, Kumo Rio. A village. Oh, that's a village. It is. It's a village above uh, Union City, high in the Aetherne Not an easy journey. Indeed, many who travel there die on the journey. Are you sure you wish to take and go? Well, it can't get any worse than it currently is, my guy, as you've noticed. So, I think I'm good. I think I'll roll the dice on this one. I don't know. I imagine skeleton falling down molten be like skittles, just woof, everywhere. You know, I actually really love that food as well. So that's a, that's an interesting comparison. Um, look, my guy. Uh, so you mentioned it's Kumo 
Raiju uh, or something like that. Kumo and there's a Ryu. Right, that's the one. You, you nailed it. Your pronunciation was way better than mine. Um, <laughs> is that north or westies? Head up to topmost tiers of city. Don't go up to Skydock. Okay. Say on topmost tier, you will find a mm -hmm. path into the mountains. Mm -hmm. It is the only path from the city into the mountains. Mm -hmm. It will start simple. Mm -hmm. Trust me, my friend, when I say it is not as simple as it looks. Oh, do you know what, Grung? For some reason, I really believe you. I have a final thing that uh, I, I may ask of you, good sir. And, uh, and Edges is going to reach into his boot and pull out one of his boot coins. Um, and is going to turn to him and be like, um, can you deliver a message for me? Ugh, I am not messen messenger, messenger, and a small boy comes running up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's uh, message? Hello, and Edgy just leans in really close, scowling oh! all up in his face. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, little man? How are you doing today? I'm okay. <laughs> I am going to pay you and you're going to go send some messages for me. I've got two messages for you to give um, and the quicker you could do that, the more I would appreciate it. And possibly if you somehow find me again, shouldn't be too hard, I will happily pay you a little bit more uh, Wonga for, for those messages. Okay. Cool. Okay. So let's get started, my uh, diminutive friend. Um, I need you to take a message to the owner of the Jarl's hearth. Uh, his name is Rurik Lordbach. Um, can you please tell him that Aegeus Jones is back in town and to get my room ready um, I look forward to seeing him uh, for a drink later to, well, later. Just tell him to get the room ready. Okay. Yeah, you got that. Okay. Say it back go, to me, go, just so go, I know you heard me, because you're, you're giving me some real house. paralyzed and fear stuff. Go, go to the Yell's house and tell the owner mm -hmm. to get Jesus Jones' room ready. <sighs> yep, nailed it. Okay. That's number one. Number two, you ready for this? This one's going to be fun. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've ever dealt with any of the noble folk in this city, but I need you to go deliver a message to one of the seven great houses. Are you lickety-split with that? I can do that, yes. Awesome, awesome. That is perfect. Cool. I need you to go deliver a message to Mara Blackvale. Tell her that... Um, Tell her that an old bony friend of hers um, has some information that he would like to trade with her, um, and and also tell her that um, that he, that Aegeus is uh, that that Aegeus is very much excited to see her porcelain face um, again. Okay. No, no, no. Black we're we're going to play this uh, game again. Yep. Go on. Go to Black Veil, tell her that bony friend's back, and mm. uh, she should look forward to seeing Edius' face. 
Close enough. Here's one gold for you, good sir. <laughs> Off you pop. This <laughs> is the one gold and is fucking gone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, right, this uh, kid. The there there is literally like almost we as they they are scared pissless. <laughs> Grunt, since when did the messengers get better? Last time I checked, the service in the town was absolutely terrible. You couldn't find a page boy to to do anything. They were uh, they were usually at the taverns, drunk as I was. Oh well, yes, seven houses. Ugh. Things get better. Plus, most of the messengers that don't deliver lose jobs. So, mm, no mm, business. I like that. I like that. Um, well, Grung, you know what? You're a dope guy, and who knows? One day I may circle back to yourself. Do you do you uh, do you have a barracks or something that you work out of? Um, well, barracks. Uh, kind of like uh, we work shifts here. I have a home. Not far from Yal's heart, funnily enough, just around corner. So mm. that is where I. Do stay. you do, do do you go there often? At what home? Yes, every evening. No, 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 no. The the pub, the pub. You mentioned. <laughs> oh, the Yal's heart. Usually yeah. after my shift, yes, I go get an ale. Yes. Dope. Do you know what? I'll probably see you there sometime, Grunk. And you know what? I look forward to hopefully sharing a, uh, a tankard. Uh, with yourself and uh, and possibly discussing the intricacies of my death and possibly your life with parents that love you. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how ale works with this just motion to see your body. You know, I I you you are wow, just a just a bag of judgment. I'm out of here, Grung, and I will catch you on the flip side. <laughs> and and just, it's just it's gonna run Jezebel away. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Very good. So you ascend through the various tiers of the city um, mm. and eventually find this path, which is actually denoted by um, a very uh, Asian, East Asian looking archway with mm. sort of these red pillars and this vaulted um, roof which then, uh, there's a couple of flags on it as well, which then leads into this small path. You're not getting Jezebel up here. I will uh, I will definitely disembark. Uh, d d dis disembark? That's not the word I was looking for. I, I will, it I works. Will climb, I will climb off of my beast, and I shall tie Jezebel to one of the poles of the, like, Tory gate, and um, and I will, like, just stroke her uh, her... Uh, her nose, and we'll go. Salsan says it. Salsan. Just talking absolute gibberish to this moose as if it understands me. And um, and then we'll turn round. Yeah, you you you. Oh, it's so good. It's good good girl. Uh, I'll be back. You just stay right here. And uh, Edius will then get a bag of whatever he's been feeding. Jezebel uh, will slice a small bit in the bottom and uh, will hang it off of the gate in front of her so it's like dripping seed or whatever I got onto the ground kind of slowly. Very good. You wander up this path then and temperature begins to get colder and colder as you ascend higher and higher. The path itself begins to wind into a forest, mountaintop forest. 
it is silent in here. I need you to make me a survival check, please. Oh, my favorite type of check. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a 15. That's not bad. 15. You managed to navigate through this forest. It is hard at moments, and you find yourself sinking into your inner thoughts in this silence. There is nothing but you and your own head, your own thoughts, your own mind. Make me an insight check, please. <laughs> On myself? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Fucking nat 20, bitch, plus seven. That's a 27. <laughs> In this moment, then, as you're wandering through this forest, this silence overcomes you, and you think, this feels a little bit like a test. Mm. And you realize that the journey through a forest like this is to understand the deeper meaning behind your emerging thoughts mm. and your fears in the absence of any external distractions. So for the sake of everybody out there, what are Aegeus's innermost thoughts, fears in this moment as he comes to terms with this? I think the the kind of last thought of like what just happened was man that half orc needs to chiggity check himself before I ricky wreck him, <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, then that, as that kind of fades with the silence and dissipates a little bit, um, Aegeus's innermost fear. I think when it truly comes down to it. There's two things that kind of really cause... Well, I would say three things that cause true fear in Aegeus's heart. The first is that he remains stuck like this for eternity. Through ages to come where changes that may happen, he may not be able to keep up with. Much like the Utes coming up with new slang and such. He, uh, he, he concerns himself about the changes ahead and if he stays stuck like this, what that might mean for him. Secondly would be... Um, secondly would be letting down a promise that he made to his wife the day he left to go capture Klein the first time. And that promise was that not only would he see her later that evening, but that this capturing of such a high profile person would lead to better things for his family, to not only a better life, but also a legacy. A promise that 
though he is not well educated, though he was not ever someone who should ever be able to achieve much more than singing in a couple of bars, that he could be great. So even though he knows half of that, that he will never see his wife again, um, he wishes to uphold the second half, that the legacy that he leaves behind, whatever that may be, is that of someone great. And then the final thing, and the thing that lingers most with him, is the fear of his greatest nemesis, Maximilian Klein. He bested me before, and he's bested many others. Aegeus is, you know, he's now grown in power and grown in mind, but that's why he's here. He's here to, to take himself to another level. And um, it seems like one of the few fears that he can conquer. So that's what he's thinking as he uh, makes his way through the forest. Let me a perception check then, please. Ouch. Uh, that's a 13. Very good. You continue through this forest, picking your path and eventually finding an exit out into this... Um, alleyway if you like this tunnel almost where the mountain grows over the top and it becomes very dark and shadowed indeed as you wander through this now you see a number of strange shadowy figures whether it's tricks of the light whether it's just the atmosphere around you but it's almost like your thoughts from the forest now replay you see your wife, or at least a shadowy outline of her reaching out to you before gone. Child running across in front of you. And then indeed one moment the form of Klein, that silhouette that just reaches for you before gone as well. <sighs> Make me either an intimidation or persuasion check, please. Um, let's have a look. It's the same either way. Um, that is a 27. Flaccid. Okay. Tell me whether you would like to intimidate or persuade, please. Um, I would... I'm not... Because uh, it's fears, I'm not intimidating. I'm definitely persuading. How would you like to persuade your wife in this moment? What, what would you say to her were she in front of you? Or indeed, how would you persuade yourself out of this? Out of the out of this like weird shadowy shit that's going on. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So you can either 
persuade the the essence of your wife that's trying to present to you or you can try and persuade yourself out of this situation I think Edrius I think Edrius doesn't believe in this kind of ethereal bullshit so he's saying to himself in his head it's not real they're gone you know this don't kid yourself as he sees like his son Heron's shadow run in front of him and he like wants to reach out and grab him as a as a shadowy arcane tear falls out of Aegeus's skull down his face as mist kind of drifts up as it then dissipates into the uh, into the tunnel with him and he just continues forward Maybe a constitution saving throw, please. <laughs> Fuck me! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! That's a nat one. <laughs> a nat one. I will say, because you rolled well above a 20 on the first check of this particular trial, um, with the nat one, I will leave it as... That was really loud. I don't know if that was loud for anybody else, but that was awesome. Mm, uh, yeah, you will take one point loud. of psychic damage. Um, one point Ugh. of psychic damage as you try to endure the emotional and psychological toll of facing these aspects of yourself. Make me a perception check, please. Switching up d20s every time here, and I feel like it's helping me. <laughs> Um, that's a 17. 17. Very good. Wait, did you say persuasion or perception? Sorry. Perception. Cool, cool, cool. Yep, 17. You break out of this tunnel and there is a... a sense of fear that overcomes you and... at one point you feel like you saw a flash of pink. Which is bizarre. You now see before you just a path that leads upwards and the sun is beginning to set but it's it's almost like the path is bent now into the direction where the sun sets and all you can see is just light shining into your eyes as you continue on upwards. You feel wounded that psychological trauma despite not being great not being massive has dealt a toll on you as you now just walk into the light make me a medicine check please oh that's fun yes matt yes matt one underused skill thank you for that i love that you are you you legend um Ah, beautiful. Um, as Edgeus does, uh, I got a, um, I got a twenty-one. But uh, Edgeus, nice. the the wounding that he's feeling is almost like the box at which he stored the emotions deep down within him has had its scab peeled off, and is that kind of fresh, burning sensation of a graze that one has 
that uh, that keeps having its scab removed and removed and removed and will soon turn into a deep scar, that, that fleshy pink deep scar. Very good. You, as a result of this, just have an awareness now. The trials you've been on so far, this idea of self-awareness, but also a need to be aware of self-care as well and recovery. And you feel somewhat inspired. Make me either a performance or an acrobatics check, please. Do I get advantage? Does my advantage that I usually get on performance apply in this moment? Do you get advantage on performance checks? Yes. Then, yes it does. I do. Awesome. That is a, uh, a 21. As you express this newfound clarity, you have this strength you have in going through these two trials, three trials now you think of it. Describe to me the artistic display you put on with that performance check. So there's a, um, there's a song that resonates with Aegeus a lot. Um, um, and um, it's it's something that his father used to sing to him. Um, and um, it's something that is very powerful and something that means a lot to him. And as he begins singing, he begins crying more of these um, these kind of shadowy tears um, as he's you know he, he, he doesn't actually have you know the ability to cry at this point in his life but this feeling of like I need to care for myself and things like that he's you know along this journey he's been worried about Cavan he's been worried about Jewel he's been worried about Lex he's been worried about you know um, Morse Tacy as a whole, Dryad's Gate, you know, the old lady who was clearly needing some sort of direction in life, which he gave her by making her a receptionist. Um, you know, Brom, you know, all these various things. And he realizes that he's not taken a moment for himself in a very long time. So he begins singing, Leaves from the vine slowly fall like fragile tiny shells drifting in the foam little soldier boy come marching home brave soldier boy comes marching home and uh just continues to cry and in this moment, there is a flash of pink once again. Make me a perception check, please. Come on, baby. Give me a above a 13. Fuck 
fuck my life. Jeez, uh, oh, that's a that's a seven. It's a seven. So in this moment, then you see a flash of pink. You continue to sing and walk forwards, and then you hear a voice from behind you. That's a beautiful song. It just stops in place as just his head rotates round in place to look behind him at the person that is behind him. Okay, well, one, that's creepy. Um, as two, the rest of his body now rotates it. round. <laughs> you made it this far. As you turn around, then, you see an individual, uh, a mm -hmm. female individual. Mm -hmm. She is adorned in martial arts monks robes she has fairly pale skin and this shocking pastel pink hair that is mm. tied up in a sort of bob behind her her eyes the brightest of blue and beneath the robes you can just see the hint of subtle tattoos that seem to go across her neck and from underneath the sleeves as she stretches her arm out you see these braces but underneath the braces more tattoos as well I am Takami what brings you to Komoryu uh nice to meet you um I'm having a fucking Terrible journey so far. Thanks for asking. Um, my name is Edgius Jones, um, or Bones, whichever you prefer. Um, first of all, before we get any into anything, I just have to say I'm loving the pastel goth kind of vibe you're going for. It reminds me of someone I used to know a long time ago, and those tattoos are metal as fuck that is those are those are super dope i'd love to know who your artist is because when i get my skin back i'm definitely gonna go get me some ink from that person um what am Do i you doing always here? talk this much huh um uh kind of, uh i mean yes uh is that a is that a good or bad thing no um <laughs> Existential it is crisis. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> You've not answered my question, though. What brings you uh, oh, to come with uh, you? Great point. I'm here for um, a gentleman by the name of Kenji Matsumoto. I've been told that if one were to be looking for um, training to inflict grievous harm upon someone in an honorable way, um, he's the dude to talk to. Uh, do you know the dude? Sensei Matsumoto is not one for harming individuals, as you say. What makes you think he would teach you? At this point, Edgius gets quiet for the first time in a long time as he stares this person in the eyes. And though he doesn't use his changeling shape-shifting ability, she can almost see 
Edius's true eyes within his socket. Not the brown that he has when he's in his Mr. T form, not the gorgeous blue that he has when he's uh, in his female form, but instead the emerald green that he once actually held within his skull. As he says, um, I've come to learn. Um, see, I have, um, how would I put it? Vermin to kill. And, uh, the particular vermin of which I speak, I think will mean something quite great to, uh, the dude at which I mentioned a moment ago. So I'd very much like to speak with him, even if he is to turn down my request. I would wish for him to at least hear said request, Mrs. Um, sorry, in all the talking, I forgot your name. What, what was your name? I am Takami. Takami. That's a um, a stunning name for a uh, stunning person um, with dope tattoos. So enough uh, fucking around with mind games. Um, any chance we could meet the dude? In this moment, she just sort of waves a hand and just sort of brings it back to centre. But in that moment, you notice it looks like there are spectral arms that follow as she just centres herself and bows toward you. Very well, Edgius Jones. But think on this. Who are you, really? Oh. And she begins to just walk off and you notice now there is a quarter staff strapped across her back as she just continues walking forwards and you crest over the top of this ridge now and before you see a mountaintop village as I very quickly pull up my notes on what that looks like because I'm hey, around all over the fucking shop and Edgius is just gonna like scuttle after her and then like jog up next to her and be like, so, uh, you look like you could kick some real ass. Did, uh, did the dude teach you? She says nothing at this point, just continues walking. As you look upon this village now, you see this village perched atop a high peak within the Aethanir mountain range. You notice what is quite clearly a, a Japanese, Asian-inspired uh, village, surrounded and shrouded in this mystique, and you just get this feeling of of ancient wisdom. Um, 
it's almost nestled among the clouds here. The buildings, the training grounds carved into the mountain itself or built from sturdy dark woods of the ancient forests that cling to the mountainside. The air is crisp, it carries the scent of pine and mountain flowers, and you see paths that wind through stone gardens over crystal clear streams fed by mountain snowmelt. The architecture in this village blends with the natural landscape. There's materials used that are readily available in the mountain. The buildings have these sloped, tiled roofs built to handle the weight of snow in winter, and their wooden frames are designed to withstand the mountain winds. You notice a central structure, a dojo. These wide open spaces built for training surrounded by walls that are lined with ancient weapons and scrolls. And you are led past this to an area outside. A series of terraces that are carved into the mountain. You are led to one such terrace. And you are led along a bamboo bridge with stone steps down to a sand and matted area where an individual in leather samurai looking armor is knelt away from you and Takami just looks at you I hope you figured out who you are and she just nods and motions you down the steps Ed just gonna like put a hand to shake her hand and be like been a pleasure, Takami. You were almost little to no help other than getting me here. I appreciate your time, and I hope you have uh, a wonderful day. I will uh, maybe catch up with you in the uh, food hall or something. She puts a, a fist into her palm and just bows, and then walks around the bridge and stands on the side looking down over this training area. Oh, you're just gonna watch? Oh, um, sh sh what? Uh, hey, I'm I'm used to audiences. Uh, Edgis is gonna like pop his uh, his leather jacket collar um, as he uh, as he kind of like saunters down these steps and um, comes to the edge of the um, what I assume is you you mentioned sand and mats. I assume it's tatami kind of style mats. It is exactly um, tatami mats. I'm, I would I would assume as well, Matt, that there's the traditional five mats, four around the outside, one in the center, um, typically used for uh, things like uh, rooms where uh, either training or, for example, uh, a uh, a taking of one's life might take place. Very much so. Edges is going to. Um, Go to just walk straight on the mat, boots on, doesn't take anything off, just straight on the mat, and is going to be like, uh, hi there, um, what's up, the dude? Before um, you can even speak, this individual <laughs> is up and turned, and there is a blade at your throat. <gasps> nice sword. Really sharp. Uh... <sighs> 
hi, um, nice to meet you. And he's gonna take like a conceited step to the left around the blade and kind of like slide his neck down the blunt edge of the blade. And he's gonna go, uh, I'm Edgius Jones. Uh, are you the dude? Are you the guy? The, uh, the Kenji Matsumoto? Is that you? Are you still stepping on the mats in your boots? Yeah, 100%. I don't know any etiquette. Here <laughs> we go. I'm so here for this. What, what's your armor class? <laughs> 13. Say again. Th uh, 13. <laughs> 13. <laughs> As you step around the blade and go to step on the mats with your boots, this fist just connects. You are going to take six points of damage as you are also... Um, let me just double check this. I need a strength saving throw, please. Oh goody, my uh, my best ability. <laughs> okay, that's a fifteen. You are pushed back off these mats and you just slide backwards as this individual <gasps> then just takes the sword and <laughs> and then looks up at you. Edgius <laughs> Jones Who are you? Ah, that hurt you, a-hole! That was right in my solar plexus! <laughs> what the fuck? Ow! Um... I... am Edgius Jones. I just said... You just said it back to me. You... Who are you? I just asked who you were. Who are you? And at this point... Takami's laughing, um, and he just stands there and brings his hands together and bows. I am Sensei Matsumoto. Show me who you are. Edgius is going to look up to Takami. He's the dude. This is the guy. Um, and, um, she gonna... will look and go, boots. <laughs> Edgius will look down and go, yeah, they're leather. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> Another fist <laughs> slams <laughs> into you. And you're going to take another six points of damage. I'll say it takes me clean off my feet, just because I wasn't, I was not even looking at him this time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a constitution saving throw. Ah, oh, broken ribs inbound, here we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, wonderful, yep, yep, of course. Um, that's a seven. That's a seven. You land on your ass and you are stunned as they have hit you with such force and there's some energy into it, you just feel yourself stunned. And then this individual takes the blade out again. Show me who you are. 
Edris is going to place a hand on the ground and look deep in his eyes and goes, you know, I really thought you were going to be more chill than this, but you're being a little bit of a dick right now, man. And is going to stand himself back up and he's going to cast his Shadow Blade um, spell and conjure a blade of shadows into his hand as he rushes forward, hands behind him, and slides in onto the mats and goes to thrust the blade towards him. And in that moment then, as Edius draws a shadow blade and Sensei Matsumoto stares down at him, we are going to leave it there and we are going to pick this up first thing next week thank you for that moment Bodhi thank you so much I've been so looking forward to that that whole moment all week um, well played guys fucking well brilliant. played no well played all of you tonight that was uh, an amazing session loved all of that uh, oh thank you Matt I mean that, the, that the, the, the settings the settings of both were incredible they were yep. a stark contrast, but fantastic. Great, it loved it. It's been well worth it. So we will be back next week for episode 51, where we will pick up with what Lex has been doing. We will continue this spa between Sensei Matsumoto and uh, Edius Jones, as they have introduced themselves. Uh, and yes, we will see what happens with uh, Kevin, Jewel and Lex on the journey to Union City as well. Um, but thank you all for being with us. Thank you for being in the chat. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself during that session. So thank you to my players for being awesome. Uh, you're all amazing. Love you all. Uh, listen, I hope everybody has a great week. Stay safe. We love you all. And we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Malt and Magic podcast. If you like what you've heard here, then don't forget to check us out on Twitch on Monday nights, 7.30pm UK time, with video on demand and podcast release the following Friday. We will see you soon.